Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for this evening is from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not at all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion, compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from Colossians chapter 1. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. I invite the congregation to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. You may be seated for the hymn. To you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Of course, of these next several weeks, we'll be following a series called Guided to the Cross. A series with the goal of reminding us of the Christian faith. Set forth by the examples found in Christ. Found at His cross. Such as forgiveness, hope, love, peace, trust, and perseverance. Here is where our journey begins this night. Ash Wednesday marks the last 40 days of Jesus' life. Leading up to that moment of His crucifixion. And along the way, there will be numerous different things that we will see, discuss, and ponder in this series. But tonight, our attention is drawn to ashes. Ashes placed on our foreheads 
in the shape of a cross to remind that you and I are dust, and to dust we shall return. But why ashes? Since ancient times, people would wear sackcloth and ashes when they were sorrowful, repentant, or grieving. All of which we do this night as we ponder the depth of our sins and turning away from what we have done. Turning away from God to do our own thing. To follow evil or destruction. Tonight we mourn with St. Paul who has made clear that the bad things that we don't want to do are exactly the very things we end up doing. And woe to you and to me. The symbol of ash and dust points us back to Adam, the first man there in the garden whom God made from the dust of the earth, whom he brings his own life into this man. The same Adam that would bring sin into this world, who would sin, and indeed, just as we will as well, who eventually will die as you and I will die one day. And like Adam, we too will turn back to dust when our days on this earth come to an end. We are human. We are finite. We are of the earth and to the earth we will go back. There's no getting around that fact. It is a fact of life and there is no detour. So this day, this night, we remember, we remember that we are sinners and that we will die. I know it's morbid. But what makes a difference? Where do we find our joy on this sad and somber day? We find it in the cross. The ashes placed on our forehead in the sign of the cross. A reminder of what it is that needs our attention. It is a sign of the cross that points you and I in a new direction, a hopeful direction. Yes, you and I and sinners, and yes, we will die. But the cross of Christ can help us with those fundamental problems, the problems that we are found in our very core. The cross can guide us, and it guides us to a fresh start that puts sin behind you and me. It makes death only a stepping stone to everlasting life. But how does this happen? Where is it found? It is through forgiveness. Forgiveness is the bedrock upon which we build our faith in Christ. Forgiveness is the number one calling card of the cross. We go to the cross in Lent again and again, confessing our sins, and there receiving forgiveness. But how do we know this to be true? It's simple, actually. Jesus showed forgiveness from the cross in spoken word as he was speaking about the Roman soldiers as they were nailing him to the tree. As he said before them and on, and on their behalf, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, unlike Jesus, our human nature wants us to harm those who bring us harm. To inflict pain upon those who bring pain on us. But yet Jesus doesn't do that. 
and His divinity, He removed the punishment that they deserve by, tell, by letting their sins go at that moment. And thus we, like those who tortured Jesus by placing Him on the cross, do not know what we are doing either. We are sinning again and again where we should be loving and reaching out and caring for one another just as Christ commanded and taught us to do. But what the cross teaches us that Jesus was not just forgiving a few people on the cross. He was forgiving the whole world. By His sinless suffering and death, He was not just forgiving the sins of the people right then and there, but for those who lived before them on this earth and those who will come to live on this earth in the future. His forgiveness from the cross is that great. It is that is all-encompassing, that universal. It is that complete. There is no one that Jesus was not forgiving by going to the cross. All those who kneel at the foot of the cross confess their sins to Christ are forgiven. No questions asked. Our remorse over our sin, our knowledge and acceptance of the amazing gift of the crucified Christ is what opens the door to an outpouring of unconditional forgiveness and love from our Savior. As fully forgiven people, we should be living lives of forgiveness. Our lives should be stored, should be steered by the guiding principles set forth by Christ. By the guiding principle of forgiveness for all, no matter what anyone has done. But that's not how the world operates. See, there's a greater emphasis on revenge, vengeance, making people feel the pain that we have suffered, making them suffer as we have suffered at their hands. Or making someone pay for the bad things that have taken place. At least that's what our human nature tells us. And we as Christians agree. We agree that someone has to pay the price. There's no getting around that. The price for sin, the price for all sins committed, has to be paid. And it's found and paid for by Christ and His blood. Is that Jesus is the one who pays that price for everyone. You, are no, you and I are no longer subject to the wrath of God for our sins. In fact, the first words of our mouth in those circumstances should be, I forgive you. To you, to any neighbor, to anyone, especially when you are being inflicted pain and suffering at their hand. Because of Christ and the cross, there is the sin is no more. So too, our anger towards it should be no more. I know forgiveness is a difficult concept. It's hard to wrap our minds around it, especially when you and I are met with sinful behavior again and again. It was hard for the disciples to comprehend just as well. And we see this especially when Peter asked the question to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Oh, seven times. I guess that's it. That was enough for Peter. That should be enough for us. There's got to be a limit, right? No. Jesus tells him the exact opposite. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 
a clever way from Jesus to say, there is no limit to forgiveness. There's no limit to how many times you should forgive someone who sins against you. There should be a limit upon how many times that you receive forgiveness from someone else. Forgiveness should always be on our lips, spoken in all circumstances. And because of the cross, you and I know for certain that forgiveness is not some passing fancy. It's not something we just do now, then, or only show to our loved ones. No, and I can't stress this enough. Forgiveness from the cross is forever. It is something that is already accomplished. It is something that can never be taken away from us. It is something that is still making ups up, makes up a part of our everyday life. And although Christ defeated sin at the cross, we still see it in the world around us. And it will be always until Christ comes again on the last day to take us to heaven where there will be sin no more forever. But now in this post-cross world, on this side of the cross, you and I can combat every sin with immediate forgiveness. You and I have the freedom from sin on a daily basis as we confess our sins to God in Jesus' name. And we see that, especially in Scripture. Many times in Scripture, Christ makes it clear that forgiveness should be the top priority in people's lives. When the paralyzed man was lying there and being lifted down into the house where Jesus was teaching, the first thing Jesus did was forgive the man's sins before he healed him of his paralysis. The woman caught in adultery, he let her go without punishment. He told a parable about a master who forgave the sins of this one servant who had this overwhelming amount of debt. But yet yet we see that same servant demand payment from someone else who owed him money. Jesus makes it clear that you and I not only are to receive forgiveness, but are to show forgiveness to our neighbors, to anyone. As God has made it a great point of granting us mercy for our numerous sins in this life. And the best thing is, See, Jesus didn't see a problem with spending time with sinners. So those seen as outcasts, outliers, even eating with them. He said he came for those who are sick, not those for who are well. And this was a continuous threat throughout his ministry. Being there to help those who are suffering from sin. Consider Zacchaeus. A tax collector guilty of overcharging people for what they owe to the Roman government in taxes. And see, when Jesus came to the town for Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't shun him, that is more common in the culture there, but asked him to come to his home. Asked him to come and to be fed. So how did Zacchaeus respond? In the light of the generosity of Christ, He made it known that he would pay back all that he has overcharged people. And here's what Christ said in response. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
What forgiving words? Now, it's interesting. A certain point was made in this series. Biblical scholars, some of them have found that in certain printed editions of our Bible, in the numerous editions, you can find these words in the right middle of the page on that book. It's interesting, too. Because indeed, it is the central and most essential part of Scripture that Jesus comes to bring salvation to the least and to the lost. But who are the least and the lost? No, it's not two dogs found in the pound. But it's you, it's me, it's all human creatures. As Scripture tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are in desperate need of forgiveness and in need of a Savior. See, there isn't any other way to think about it. You and I are made low. You and I are lost. Lost because of the sin present in our lives. But thanks be to God for giving us Christ. Sending Him to guide us by His Word. Especially there, guiding us to the cross. For His work is completed. But now I want you to think about this as you go home this evening. Ponder this throughout the week and the days ahead, especially this Lenten season. Who are those that you can forgive today that perhaps that you're not too eager to forgive? Go to them and forgive them. Who are those that you need to ask forgiveness from for something that you did? Go and ask for forgiveness. Huge weights of guilt and shame will be lifted from our soul, our shoulders when we share and receive forgiveness with each other. You see, this is, this is something that's amazing about this. Is that there's many ways to symbolize this power of forgiveness in our lives. For instance, if you go home and you remember your sins, some people like to do this, where they write their sins on pieces of paper, and either they burn them, throw them away, where they're out of sight, out of mind, or rip them up into little shreds where no one knows where they were. But there's also the practice of washing, capturing the understanding of what it means to be cleansed, cleansed physically, emotionally, spiritually, or by taking a shower or washing your face, getting the crowd off from the day before or from whatever it was, that collects on your face as you slept. When we are cleansed there of our sins in Christ each day through the waters of holy baptism, reminded where the old Adam is drowned, the new Adam lives. And so just like that in the waters of baptism, or when we hear the forgiveness pronounced to us from Christ as dirt falls away from our bodies, when we are washed and we are cleansed, so too does our sin and that filth fall away when we are drenched ourselves in the message of salvation and Christ crucified. By the death of Christ, you and I now wear that robe of righteousness that has been placed on us. Death no longer holds power over us. Sin no longer holds power over us, nor the devil. There is no fear in death for those who are forgiven in Christ. And there is no dread in looking to the cross where Jesus died. We can look at death in the face and say, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? 
And we can turn our eyes directly to the cross and say, in the cross of Christ, I glory. Be guided to the cross. Be guided to Jesus. Be guided to forgiveness. You have come to salvation in the Savior who has brought it to you, who has never given up on you, who will never turn away from you, and never will. A promise made by Him. Let us never give up on Him or the words that He has given to us. Let us never forget we have received forgiveness from Christ. Therefore, let us forgive one another as He bids and commands in His Word. This is forgiveness and what a gift it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.